0: When the healthcare system gets overwhelmed, it's our big, big problem. Let's, I mean, I think you only have to walk into a hospital in New York City one time to realize that this is not overblown. From Grafton, West Virginia, this is the Living Unleashed Podcast.
1: Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Reneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Alex Reneman from Unleash Tiger, and I'm here with Dr. David Bender, who's uh, acting as our Taylor County Health Officer here in Taylor County, West Virginia. Dr. Bender, thanks for coming on the program and, and really helping us understand more about what's going on with COVID-19.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Alex. I'm I'm very involved here with the community and and fighting this, and, you know, I want to, I want to, reach reach our citizens here so yeah so I'll
1: extend some early gratitude to you from me and everyone else who's listening um and watching this potentially that uh you have plenty of things your schedule right now and so for you to find some time for us super super grateful. let's jump right in can you help us understand what what's what's your role as the Taylor County Health
0: Officer yeah so it's in a, a position that's appointed by the state and and I'm the overseer of the health department now Frankly, when, when I was appointed, or appointed to be the overseer of the health department, I didn't think we'd be dealing with a pandemic, <laughs> right. but, but uh, I take that role seriously. Um, I, I want to try and help, help the folks here in Taylor County, and, and so you know, we've tried to, to you know, jump right in. Well, we're glad you're
1: here. Can we, can we talk a little bit, just your perspective, riff a little bit on, on what, is, what is COVID-19
0: and what are we up against here? You know, COVID-19 is a, what's called a novel, novel virus, coronavirus, that causes this uh, infection. Novel viruses are always trouble because we don't have immunity to them. But, and so that's problem number one. Problem number two ends up being that this particular novel virus is a little bit deadlier than, than most uh, viruses are. And that's really what we're up against is the, the deadliness of the virus.
1: Yeah, so I hear lots of people comparing it to the flu. Some comparing it, you know, you, you get both ends of the spectrum. I, I imagine the truth is somewhere in the middle. Can you help us? How different is this than the seasonal sure. flu that we see come and go every year?
0: You know, so the seasonal flu, we see lots of cases of it over time, but we're talking about lots of cases over six or seven months. You know, with with COVID nineteen, we're we're seeing it hit us over a two to three week period, and those kind of problems overwhelm the healthcare. Um, system, truly. And, you know, so we can help less people, um, in the case of a, of a pandemic infection like this. Um, it's certainly more deadly than the flu, at least, at least 10 times more deadly than the flu. Um, and we haven't, we haven't seen an influenza outbreak even similar to this for over a hundred years.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, it, it's kind of scary in some of those statistics as you see, and obviously the data will play out as we have more and more volume, but the more volume, unfortunately, is not a problem. It's coming every day um, across the world. What, what have we learned about how it spreads, its surface life, those kind of things, so we can know what kind of, because it's so scary to think there's this microscopic virus that's after us, but what, what are some things that we're finding out that we can kind of know, all right, obviously you can't always contain it because viruses change,
0: but, but what is it that we can really look at in terms of how this thing works? Sure. It, it, it spreads by droplet. And, and so typically that's going to come from a sneeze or a cough, something of that nature. And then that droplet is going to get aerosolized and spread out if we inhale it. That's that's certainly the worst thing. Um, but oftentimes what we find is the droplet lands on a surface, uh, be it uh, uh, a countertop or, or a, a, a elevator button or or a doorknob, and, and then you know we touch it with our hands, and then we touch our face, and then we have it in our respiratory system. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess I've heard things surface
1: life could be anywhere from three to six hours laying on something, depending on what the surface is. Is that about right? right?
0: Well, okay. so coronaviruses in general have a life of up to seven days. That's under perfect circumstances, however. And so for most of these coronaviruses, the life of them is, you know, one to two days at the most, they need to find a host and our hands end up making us a perfect host for them.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, this is a relative term, but is this all overblown? I mean, is this, is this as serious as it seems to most of us? And again, everybody's perspective is going to be a little different and the media says one thing, but, but how, how
0: serious should we be taking this? Very seriously. I mean, it's not that we're going to see so many folks infected with this. It's that we'll see all of the infections happen at one time. And, and when the healthcare system gets overwhelmed, it's our big, big problem. Let's, I mean, I think you only have to walk into a hospital in New York City one time to realize that this is not overblown.
1: Yeah, Let, let's talk, let's dig into that a little more, because that's that whole idea of flattening the curve. You know, you see, there's tons of great graphical images people have done with data to show, here's what happens, hospital capacity. I've shared some on Facebook myself. Um, it's fascinating. Can you, for, from a healthcare perspective, because you're, you're you're right there, can you help us understand why it's so important to flatten that curve?
0: Yeah, so, so if we can handle the cases over time, um, you know, we can help to we can be better prepared for them. And and by doing that, by flattening the curve, so to speak, where all the cases don't happen in a seven day period of time, we can better care care for folks and our resources aren't tapped all at once. The the way that we flatten the curve is to practice what are called mitigation strategies or strategies that that limit the number of people that are infected at any one time. Um, By limiting the number of people that the virus can potentially affect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so, you know, obviously it, many of us may get this, but the better thing is if we get it over time. So it's not only resources from, from staff, personnel, to hours, but beds and respirators and all the Medicaid, whatever it needs, it's all of that, right? I mean, it's a, we're not built to
0: handle that kind of surge in any capacity. Correct. I mean, in, in West Virginia, uh, our, our main concern, for example, is, you know, our elderly population. And, and if, if too many of those folks get affected, then, then that really will, will, you know, put a strain on the healthcare delivery system. Um, you know, but, but if we can flatten that curve and folks are affected more slowly over time and, and, and hopefully not nearly as many folks affected, um, we can fight this a lot better and, and, frankly, not as many people will die from it.
1: Yeah, and you can still see occasionally the media show some knuckleheads doing some things that they're violating containment strategies and those things. But, but really, I mean, by and large, I mean, I know Folks, I think around here they seem to be doing a great job, and, I, and I'm, I'm really appreciative. I know West Virginia's pulled together in times like this. I mean, we help our neighbors, and that's that's the big thing. I may not be in the demographic that's a super high risk. Doesn't mean that it could not hurt me. I mean, we see we see people of, of younger ages you know, on respirators and have some serious issues, but yeah. certainly that that target demographic for this bugger is 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 in that higher rate, You know, 70, 60 plus, right? Maybe with right. with other comorbidities, lung issues, but that doesn't mean that people that are healthy and young could be a real problem with this if they continue to spread it, right? I mean, that's a, that's a real message
0: people probably need to hear. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, if folks take it seriously, you know, we can we can contain this to a, to a degree. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it's the younger folks right now who are out and about more that, you know, don't get sick. They, they get a cold or a, a mild flu. But when grandma or grandpa gets this, it's a completely different story, and that's, and that's really why we, we have to practice our, our, our strategies, you know, our, our staying at home and our social distancing and our hand washing, you know, all of those things that we can do in, in a real-time way to, to, you know, help us out here.
1: That's right. I mean, yeah, it's clear we are not powerless in this and that's a bell you can't unring. I mean, if you pass that on, you pass it on, you can't pull it back. So responsible containment uh, mitigation strategies are, are key here. Can can we shift a little bit into, so how does somebody know what what are those symptoms? What are things they really should be looking for in order to, to, to know, maybe I should be calling about testing. We'll talk
0: about testing. Can we kind of start down that path? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, so, you know, the main symptoms of, of, COVID-19 infection are 3 A fever, and and that's the very most common symptom. About nine out of 10 people will have a fever with this. But often with the fever comes a very dry, harsh cough. And and sometimes also with this will come um, some shortness of breath uh, along with that. Okay. And
1: then, uh, so, so, but, but, some of those is which one should really? Because obviously, fever, we get fever with all kinds of different viruses that come and go. Is the shortness of breath the one where you, the breath the one where you should go? Mm, I better, I better call my doctor. Or at any of those, a fever or a dry cough at any point, should you call somebody?
0: Well, I, I think the fever especially is where is where you want to think about. Hey, something's going on here. I, I think most of us have, have had a flu. Or a strep throat at some time in our life, it's going to feel like that initially, um, and and that's a good gauge for us to to say, hey, I need to to see if I have a problem here, and should I be tested, and what should I be doing to help myself.
1: Yeah, that's really good advice. So, all right, so I do have, I, I do think I have, I have a fever, I have shortness of breath, I have. Uh, dry cough, any one of those three, what, what, at what point, what do I do now? Do I, do I call somebody? Do I run to the hospital or run? To the no. run to the-
0: <laughs> so, so you don't want to run to the hospital. I mean, because again, that means people are going to have to get in there into a gown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're better off calling your provider first. They can let you know what to do. If you call, I'm just going to give you an example. You could call the Grafton hospital if you live in in Grafton or Taylor County or in this area, 304-265-0400. They will put you in contact with a provider, usually it's me, who performs a medical screening examination over the phone, and we can decide right there um, if you need to have COVID-19 testing, if you're a candidate for drive-up testing, which is the best way we can do it right now, if we just need to say, hey, stay at home, let me know if anything changes if you get sick but right now i don't think you you have the signs or symptoms of covid or i can even can tell you hey it sounds like you're pretty sick you need to come to the emergency room and let me give them a call and let them know you're on your way
1: yeah that, this is truly a, a the old adage of, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound to cure um, so if you have any of these symptoms I mean, that's something if, if you got to get stuff from the store or whatever Phone a friend, man. Somebody, somebody will help you. Um, there, I see people all the time on Facebook. I love it. Say, do you need any help today? You need anything? Um, if, if you're feeling these things, stay in, right? I mean, that's the message. But yeah. so, so let's say, okay, so I need to go get tested. I know we have a center here in Grafton. I know for a while, that was a challenge of getting testing out to everyone. And we may right. see numbers spike just because now we have more testing. But what is what what, what process do we have here in the county for, for
0: folks if, they, if they, are, they do believe they're positive and their providers said, come on in? Sure, so so if they call that phone number um, and we ask them to come for testing, what we do is we, we pre-register them. I, I give them an appointment time. Um, our testing site in Taylor County, very graciously, the Board of Education has allowed us to use the parking lot of the high school and the Taylor County Health Department and the Grafton City Hospital working together. Um, we'll, we've, we have a pretty good setup. Um, you come in you pull your car up we talk for about five minutes we have you either wait in your car or sit in a chair whatever, however you're more com- most comfortable we do your swabbing which takes about 30 seconds we let you get back in your car and go home and and you know just self quarantine yourself until we let you know how, how your test results have turned out yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's
1: key. One of folks asked some questions in when we had put some stuff out earlier. And one of the questions was, okay, so I, I think I'm, I have this or I'm struggling through this is ibuprofen. What, what should I, what, what are the things I can do while I'm waiting? Now, obviously their doctor, you, whoever made their doctor, maybe may have specific advice, but just generally speaking, if folks are kind of right. wondering, maybe I got this thing what, in their mind, what are the kind of treatment procedures at home?
0: Yeah. So, so, you know, Tylenol is a real good choice um, for fever and aches in general it's a very safe medicine ibuprofen or aleve um advil you know those type of drugs are are a second choice for a lot of folks and they work real well there's really no concrete evidence that there's any problems with ibuprofen right now so i i certainly won't say don't take your ibuprofen especially if it's been effective for you. yes
1: yeah makes sense so as we all right so so we've got that figured out what what can we expect from this thing? I mean, based historically or what we're seeing now, what, what do we see kind of going forward? Uh, you know, lots of people, and I know nobody has this answer. I'm asking you a question that, that no one in the world has the answer to, but, but what, what can we look at? I mean, is this thing gonna evolve and maybe get worse, get better? I mean, talk, people talk about seasons changing may affect it. What, what, what can we anticipate, do you think?
0: So that's the problem with the novel virus. We, we don't really have a good concrete answer for what, what to anticipate i I would suspect that we're going to see a a peak um, here in West Virginia probably over the next seven to twenty days um, and then hopefully hopefully within about four weeks um, the cases really tend to fall off trail off there' there will probably be around two at some point um, you know but that takes some time to to see um I would love to say that, you know, by early summer, we won't have to worry about this, but I want to be realistic about it. And and I think that that a realistic thing to think about is that this is just going to be the summer that we vacation at home and, and you know, do things as a family and enjoy the home life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we all have to find some, some, some uh, good moments within all of this, right? The, the challenge is going to be there, but there's things we can take and, you know, turn, yeah. turn those lemons into lemonade, right? Uh, um, I do see some things. There, there, there seem to be some, some promising treatments and different things. I know vaccines, they're, they're hustling to get those out. That's probably not realistic to come in anytime soon. But I see, you know, this chloroquine or this, this uh, malaria drug that might have some effect, other drugs. Can you comment on any of that that you're seeing out there and how realistic yeah. these are, you think?
0: So, you know, there's some preliminary reports of effectiveness of chloroquine, which is an anti malaria drug. Um, a lot of that comes from, from us seeing that, you know, Africa, uh, where malaria is rampant and many people have taken chloroquine doesn't seem to be as affected as the rest of the world to this point. Um, the tests are ongoing. They look somewhat promising. <clears throat> Again, when we're talking about some, something as deadly as, as COVID-19, and chloroquine being a very benign drug, um, very little side effect in just taking a, a dose or two, um, it, it may very well be an effective measure to, to, you know, save some lives down the road. I, I think time's going to tell. Um, I certainly think that, that the thinking in the healthcare community is there's some promise here. That's why it's already difficult to get the chloroquine. Hopefully, myelin Pharmaceuticals helps out the whole country with that. Hopefully, hopefully.
1: What what measures are in place? So we currently, at the time of recording, which, you know, I, and I'll get this thing, I will hustle this thing as fast as we can, but hope so far, we don't have any cases in Taylor County confirmed. Doesn't mean we don't have any, you know, that takes time, I understand. Um, what are we doing as a county in, in our, 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 and I know there are people who are working almost without sleep, and I, and I, and big Big hats off to them. Gratitude for all the folks that are stepping up and doing their thing and trying to fight this thing. Um, but w- what are we doing to track those cases? You know, I've seen some countries and communities are tracking the testing, whether it comes in, uh, even when they're waiting, even if it comes back negative, positive, who they're seeing. What, what are we doing as a county right now in, in that preparatory phase?
0: So, so we try to track all the cases. Um, uh, excuse me, we try to track all the tests that are done. We want to know everybody who's been sick enough to test. It was a little easier a, a few days ago. It's getting a little more difficult, and I'm afraid it's going to get a lot, of diff- a lot more difficult to track just who's been tested. If they've been tested in Taylor County, we can track that pretty easily. It's, it's when they go to another hospital or, or in a different place and, and have their test. The good news is, though, that all positive tests are reported to the, our local health, health departments. And so as, as a county, we know who has COVID-19 in our county, where they live, and then, then it becomes the, the health departments and particularly the public health portion of the health department's responsibility to, to really um, monitor these folks.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And so then are we or do you, do you have you heard or, or, or do we have strategies in terms of even who those people are interacting with and contacting them? And I mean, it's that spider web of somebody who yeah. has it, who they all talk to. I know that, that's a, that's a heck of an undertaking. I get it. But are we doing something like that as well?
0: Yeah, as, I mean, you know, this is kind of uncharted for our country, mm-hmm. um, frankly. I mean, and, and all of these people who are called epidemiologists, that's a, a, a fancy biologist who who tracks disease. Um, they've they've become they're they're well basically they're living the most important month of their life uh, as far <laughs> as that goes and mm-hmm. and I know the governor had asked for um, a number of epidemiologists to come to West Virginia to help out um, with our tracking the National Guard's also helping out but here at a county level I mean we are very committed in, in Taylor County to to tracking everyone ourselves um, to try and do do what's called cohort studying, you know, studying the folks they've been around, where they've been, um, you know, where could they have caught, caught the infection, and um, that'll help us uh, in the short run uh, to, to keep our county safer and, and free of the infection, and in the long run, it'll help us to, to track how it, how it moves and how it affects people.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's good to know. And um, what, what I don't normally go down kind of the, the, the doomsday scenario and I won't go there. But but if we did have a, a huge bloom here in Taylor County, are there are, are, are we considering quarantine locations that have we identify those that where that would happen? Or is it more going to be, hey, go home, stay at home, wait your 14 plus days? What's 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 that look like? Just so people can get a feel of, OK, if, if worst case scenario happens here and we do have this huge bloom, what what what, what are those
0: actions we're going to see? Yeah, so so you know, everybody who is COVID nineteen positive is self quarantined for fourteen days, or or it could even be a little bit less um, if they get well much quicker than that. Um, we don't like to talk about quarantine um, unless that really becomes possible or, or or not possible. Excuse me, but necessary. Um, I think I, I'd like to think that. That the folks here in Taylor County have good common sense and and would keep themselves inside if they knew they had COVID nineteen and away from from other folks and and a quarantine a true quarantine um, would only be necessary if we just found they couldn't do that and they were endangering the public safety.
1: Yeah, you know th- th- these t- time like this it, it reminds me of statistics I've seen through the years and there's enough of them where we're on the wrong end of every list. But one of them that we're on the top of is that we take care of each other. You know, we're neighborly. We help those in need, and uh, this is there's there's no time in any of our lifetimes that are listening today uh, where there's been a greater need probably to help one another. And so, um, yeah, that's huge. And to that point, um, what what can each of us do in our own situation? What what are the best things we can do at if you know? Obviously, if we're in if we're in a certain target demographic or even outside of that, what are things we can do to protect ourselves and protect our community?
0: Sure. I mean, you know, the the big things are the things I've kind of been preaching uh, to everybody for a few weeks now. Please, please wash your hands 20 times a day, 30 times a day, however many times it takes. And you should wash them after every social social interaction that you have uh, in which you come within six feet of of someone else. Um, You should try and limit the number of times a day that you violate the, the, you know, six foot space around yourself. Um, when you get home, you come in your house, wash your hands. First thing, um, it's hard with our kids, you know, so we really need to keep after our kids to wash their hands. And, mm-hmm. and as I've said in the past, we need to set a good example for our kids too. They'll do what we want them to do. If, if we show them what we want them to do, you know? So, and, and, then other than that, you know, we've got to just use our common sense. Don't go out to the store three times a day, you know, make a big grocery list and, and just make one trip somewhere. Go to a drive through instead of a, a walk-in um, shop. Um, be real mindful of touching things like doorknobs and elevator buttons and keypads and ATM machines and so on. And sanitize your hands after you do those kind of things. If, if you do all those things, you should be safe you should be comfortable that you're gonna be safe and and you know can rest a little bit more easily and then I'll rest a little bit more easily. <laughs> <laughs> hey let, let me let
1: me throw your curveball a little bit and dig in this obviously there's the hand washing nutrition movement you know those things, but but you brought on something it, it's kind of two two angles. one is the stress we were all feeling, I mean, I, I work remotely typically, and I travel out, but so really, the, the mechanics of my day haven't changed a whole lot, except for this giant existential threat that's hanging over us all, right? And so, what can we do? Um, some of the, some is is just having these kind of conversations, realizing like, this thing is scary, yes, but there are things we can all do. Um, and, then, and then what can we tell our kids? You know, some folks have little kids at home. They're all running around their homeschool and they don't, they don't really know what's going on. Maybe they, they probably have fear and they won't always verbalize that, that I'm scared of this disease. They, they might act out in other ways. What are some tips you can kind of offer sure. to the parents or just all of us at home that are kind of struggling with this, this, this wild and visible yeah. thing?
0: Well, well, I'm no Dr. Phil, okay? <laughs> but but I, would, I would tell parents that, you know, even though your kids aren't, aren't paying attention, you don't think they're listening. They're listening. Um, they're hearing what you're talking about. They're, they're, they're seeing what the television is saying and, and, you know, they're reading things on the internet and they may not express their fear to you. They may act out in different ways. They may be more cranky and irritable and you would be wishing they were back in school. Um, they may have trouble sleeping. They may even have trouble with their bowels or bladder. They, they may have, you know, no appetite. All of these things um, often go along with our kids having anxiety. You know, us adults, how how do we we have different ways that we can deal with the stress? We just go buy all the toilet paper in every store, <laughs> right? But, you know, but the but the kids, uh, you know, they don't. So you know, I think it's real good for parents to talk very plainly to their kids. But the most important thing that parents should do is is reassure their kids, reassure their children that that they're going to keep them safe and, and that they don't have to worry that they're going to watch out for them and, and then try to make it into, to something, you know, Hey, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we'll look back on this. And, you know, this will be the year that we pitched a tent in the backyard and had a lot and made campfires every night, or, you know, this will be the year that, that we, you know, um, you know, played a, 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 you know, monopoly every every other day or something like that so you know just try to take that fear out of out of your kids mind a little bit and and give them a little normalcy whenever you can that's good advice.
1: One of the things we're doing, even the idea of, of helping where you can. And so our kids in terms of you know making masks and, uh, you know, even my, my six year old daughters reading books to, to the younger kids at school over video, all anywhere you can help somebody that, that our kids just immediately lit up when they realized they could help. They had power. They had agency. And that was yeah. huge as well. Let me let me ask you, you know, kind of on that note and, and kind of closing out here obviously this is a, this is a pandemic and pandemics bring death and other things. And to what degree has a lot to do with how we behave as a community, but, but what, what th- there's some silver linings out of this, right? I mean, we're going to be hopefully more prepared in the future. These things aren't if, but when, and so hopefully we're going to be more prepared, but what are other things we can look to and say, at least we're grateful for this, or, or here's some silver linings. This is what's going to come out of this as a positive
0: thing for our community. Yeah. Well, well, we will be more prepared for this in the future. You know, think, this is a scenario that very few of us have ever considered uh, very seriously. And, and so we'll have protocols in place. I uh, was just talking with my wife, Sally, tonight and about, you know, in the future, people won't get as scared because they'll know what to do. Uh, they'll be prepared for, you know, a, a pandemic or, or, or some infectious process. And, and we'll just, it'll be part of normal life in, in some ways. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Well, Dr. Bender, I, I know you, you are working tireless hours. I know there are a ton of other people and organizations and folks who have stepped up. Um, you know, I, I'd love to, to thank a lot of them right now. If you've got some airtime, I mean, I know, I know they're out there skinning their knees and elbows and everything else trying to get, keep us safe as a community. Who, who's out there that we want to think about? And, and, and we, if we so obviously from a distance, you know, keep that, that high, air, air high five as we do around here jokingly with the kids. Yeah. Who do we want to give, give a shout out to?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, I want to start with the health department. Um, Boyd uh, Van Horn and, and Sean Thorne have just been fabulous, you know, trying to to keep our message out in the community. Um, and Sean, I, I, I kid him, I tell him he's the backbone of the supply line in Taylor County, because <laughs> he gets the supplies from the state and distributes them and, and it has been a real help as well. The Grafton Hospital is just been fantastic here um george boyle's the administrator violet shaw the director of nurses i mean they're just working themselves to the quick and and have done a really good job i really don't feel very worried about the hospital and their preparedness at this point i i think they we they've really gotten it together quickly down at emergency services you know bobby beltner and mike kochka um you know they i think they're prepared you know getting us if we have any, you know, bad scenarios, uh, you know, they're, they're preparing and and keeping us, uh, ready for that. So I really, really couldn't be more grateful to all the folks here in Taylor County in government and emergency services and EMS and, and law enforcement, uh, as well as healthcare that have just gone above and beyond and, and frankly, made me very proud of where I live and, and, and the folks that I work with.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. So easy to hang on the one negative thing you see out there. But man, there's a community coming alive for this thing, trying to help one another. And it's obviously, obviously, you know, after we shut this off, they'll be like, Oh, there's something we missed that that group too, or that person too, right? I mean, everybody's helping. And, uh, and I and even just the average citizen who's, you know, like myself, are just trying to be distant. I'm just trying to to do my thing and keep separate. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's, there's not a whole lot to ask of people, but it's a challenge for some. And um, I just appreciate everybody doing that. And I appreciate you coming on, uh, with us i mean this is uh these are these are interesting times and having folks like yourself to be a calm voice in the middle of the storm is really valuable and and not only just you're not just out there talking you're out there getting it done and and i i do i want to go back to the hospital again i know the hospital sometimes it's 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 popular to, to to rag on the hospital and joke about it here or there but my goodness thank god that we have the local hospital here in an event like this i mean it's just uh, it's
0: invaluable and so i'm uh, glad i mean you uh, it, that
1: it, and you thank it you and
0: it, and it does alex it it just makes, me, makes everybody feel better to know that, you know, close to home here, there's help for them and, and you know, they're ready to take care of everybody. Yep, that's right.
1: All right, man. I'm going to let you go to do everything else that we've just pushed off. I'm so thankful for you grabbing some time. Um, right. Good luck. Let us know if we can get any other messaging out or anything. But in the meantime, uh, stay safe and healthy and we'll, we'll do the best we can to support you.
0: Great. Thanks, Alex.